0: day 14 podcast we're joined with a very special guest the rare midweek podcast we're joined with the face of Blue Jay of the Toronto blue Jays with MLb.com it's our guy you probably see him flooded all over your Twitter your Twitter comments everything your Twitter timeline all that stuff it's Keegan Matheson what is up brother how are we doing Keegan
1: happy to be here guys very happy to be here just got back from uh, whatever game it was today Ricky T-day uh, they all kind of blend together, so I'm always grateful when something happens to break up the monotony of uh, spring training. But doing well, doing well. Happy to be here.
0: Well, we ha- we actually crafted a nickname last year for Ricky. I- I'm assuming you've probably heard it now. I, mean, I it's saw all- this,
1: yeah. Okay, yeah. Big Dick I can't Rick. Quite get it into my stories. Yeah, and- see, uh, what uh,
0: you got to do is you got to just like, this is how I know. You're going to be our guy forever now, by the way. So what I am, I just want a little, just mix in in one of the articles, BDR. When are talking just BDR and all the listeners, all the all the fans of the Gay 14 podcast will know you're referring to us.
1: And I, I can pretend it's like RPMs or, or some sort of there's enough stupid metrics. You, you can slip something in, you know. Yeah, exactly. You
2: can find that on StatCast somewhere.
1: Yeah. In VR. And this is a good unity too. Here, this is a good union. The media gate that I go in is gate thirteen. So we, we are bridging the gap here.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. The gate fourteen. Yeah. It's maybe we'll change the podcast name just for you, Keegan. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll make a branch off and you there can you be go. a co-host on it. But I want to <laughs> start this off with let's start it off with a hot take here, because obviously we're three days in. I I've just been dialed in. We've been streaming, like live streaming the game, stuff like that. I'll start it off. Then Avery can go. Then you could go. This is my take. I think Ricky Tiedemann is going to win the rookie of the year in 2023. That's my hot take. I mean, what I saw today was, dare I say, orgasmic. I mean, that was some of the most beautiful shit I've ever. It's like watching a whale leave the water and just jump right back in. It was beautiful. So that's my hot take. Avery, what's yours? I think
2: Nate Pearson gets 10 saves this year.
1: There we go. And we all right, so it doesn't have to be a Ricky T hot take.
2: No. Anything.
1: I think Bo Bichette has a 30-30 season. Wow. I think there's there's been two of them. I think Sean Green and Jose Cruz, which is a throwback. Uh, but it's been 20 years. Bo can steal 30 bags. He's done 25, I think, before. He's gonna run way more. I think this team's gonna run like crazy. And he can hit 30 home runs, especially if he's getting the ball in the air. I think Bo can be a 30-30 guy. Like he he looks good. And I know that early camp doesn't matter, but Who cares? Something has to matter or else I don't have a job. So early on, man, Bo looks good. He cares so much. Like he's there slamming back (laughs) when he strikes out in live BPs in February. He looks good, man. 30-30 year for Bo.
2: Bo, Bo's uh, an interesting guy for me because he doesn't seem that open to the media, right? You get a very closed off Bo, it seems. What is he kind of like? Behind like closed doors, you see more of him than we do.
1: Yeah, he's he's smart with this. You know, th- there are times where you'll say, "Bo, you just won the lottery. How do you feel?" And he'll say, you know, it doesn't change much." And there there are different ways to be to be more um, you know introspective or a little more guarded with the media. Uh, one way you can be a prick about it. Uh, that's not Bo whatsoever. He's professional uh, about when he deals with media, but he's been around the game for so long. Uh, you know, growing up with his dad Dante. Growing up around those Colorado teams, he knows what media looks like. And back in Dante's day, there were a thousand of me at every game. Now there's you know ten of us, um, which yeah, go media. But uh, back in his day, he knows what this looks like. Uh, Bo knows the deal, and he's also had some shine going back to when he was fifteen or sixteen. Like he's got that local paper type of stuff. Whereas, meanwhile today, like Ricky Tiedemann is a great example where we set up to do our interviews there is a big backdrop just outside the clubhouse it has the blue jays logo the rogers logo all that advertising good stuff and most players know you walk out and you stand in front of us ricky just walked out and saw us and started walking across the the parking lot thing towards us and we're saying no 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 you got to be in front of the camera (laughs) so some of these guys know media and some of them don't um uh, you know, those who don't, maybe eventually they become a bit more guarded. But, uh, yeah, there's different ways to go about it. Bo is definitely a, a pro, but he knows his way around it.
0: I, I'm i all in. on. Listen, I know Bo Bichette catches a lot of flack for his fielding, and you probably see it firsthand. I mean, he is a guy that takes baseball very, very serious. I'm sure the amount of rants and the amount of meltdowns he probably had in that clubhouse last year with some of the mistakes he was making was uh, was insane. So I I know he's going to turn it around. But you mentioned Ricky Tiedemann. I just want to understand like the persona that he has walking around media or just walking around the clubhouse because he looks like one, just the most confident cocky dude of all time. Like good cocky. What is he like? Just
1: what, what have you seen out of him? He's cool, man. And and that matters. You know, I I've been around enough top prospects now who are clearly searching their name on Twitter every single day. (laughs) Don't do that. I've been around enough top prospects who are reading their prospect reports who are nervous, who are nervous of media. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to ruin your day. That probably makes more work for me. I'm not in that business. Ricky is cool. You know, he he, he warms up and he had Californication by the Chili Peppers today. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? Like, that's such a weird vibe for a 20-year-old guy, but it fits. Like, somebody asked me today, one of the security guards, they said, where's Ricky born?" And I said, like, just one second, I've got to check, but it's definitely California. Like, he's got that vibe. <laughs> He's got the sleeve tattoo that goes up the hand right to the knuckles. Last year, guys, he had the hair way past the shoulders into a big ponytail. This year, he's got like the perm up high and tight. He's looking like an R&B singer from the 80s. He does post-game. He's got the Boba Shed headband, and then the kind of like old-school Jose Canseco, Miami Vice, neon (laughs) shield sunglasses. This guy's cool, And, and I think there's a proper balance of being cool and also taking it seriously you know, you can't be stupid about it he's not whatsoever he knows he's good he knows that he has to relax and have fun with it and when we asked him about how well he did today he said essentially listen like yes I'm facing Javi Baez but it's not like I've never faced a hitter before you know this is just a little bigger crowd a little more people around watching it doesn't seem to have gotten to him though you know I've seen that happen to prospects in the past and it goes pretty predictably but the persona and the personality, frankly, at this point's all that matters. He throws ninety nine, got a great change up. You saw that on the third strikeout, uh, there sort of the third batter, second strikeout. He could have pitched in the major leagues last year, most of the season. It's just about kind of having kid gloves with him, trying to balance some long-term value. But I think he is a a person you can bet on. you know you never know what happens when money comes around. You give me twenty million bucks. I might not be as good a dude. We'll see. But uh, I think right now he's someone the Blue Jays, like as a person, importantly, and, and as a pitcher, the Blue Jays have to be all in on
2: you. What do you think of his prospects for this season? Is he starting double A? And if he starts in the minors, which makes the most sense, probably what uh, when do you think we see him up to the big club?
1: I think going into camp, I would have said double A. Uh, I think he's got a really good chance to start triple A uh, to start the year as long as everything goes well because he's more than good enough for triple a he can handle that um if he was a guy who struggled with control then sometimes triple is a challenge you've got those 32 year old guys down there trying to put up a 450 on base i think he can handle triple a pretty easily uh, pitching in buffalo that time of year isn't great but you know whatever there are teams around buffalo in the big leagues so you have to learn eventually i think he's a guy that can kind of take that Alpinoa path you know going into camp 2021 and that whole camp's a, a fever dream for me. That was the like the empty ballpark COVID year, I think, where we were doing Zooms with Alec Manoa, even though he was in the next room from me. <laughs> but Remember, he had those back to back outings against the Yankees. One of them was two innings, four strikeouts. Next one was three innings, seven strikeouts. Those were like March 5, March tenth or twelfth. And all of a sudden, that was a guy who might debut later in the year to a guy who debuted a few weeks in. And at a certain point, if you're the Blue Jays, that talent wins, that kicks the door down, you know? Um, You look at the starting depth the Blue Jays are going to have, beyond the five or six, not a ton happening there either way. So with Tiedemann, I think you have a more of a philosophical decision than skill. He's good enough to pitch in the majors tomorrow, like easy, period, no discussion. But it's a matter of how aggressive you want to be. And if you are the Blue Jays, thinking over the last couple of years, we've seen how much one game matters. By the time you get to 91, two, or three wins, do you want to get to the end of the year and be regretting how, man, maybe Ricky Tiedemann would have won one of those games that maybe Mitch White or Drew Hutchinson started as a depth guy? That's a tough spot to find yourself in.
0: Uh, Avery is squatting on a take here that we got to talk about, and it's been pissing me off. It's not a bad take. it's, It's a terrible take. He thinks that Drew Hutchinson... Will start a game before who are we? Who do we say Avery Ricky. Yeah. yeah, he thinks
2: Drew Hutchinson will start a game before Ricky. Well, that's not be a talent thing. That's
0: a. Team but I just game. think that's dumb. Like I just think just wasting like a game like Drew Hutchinson. We saw. I mean, this dude is like Thomas Hatch range. What happened last year with eleven earned runs? Are if you're the Jays, are you picking up the phone and calling up Drew Hutchinson and let's say June to make a start before Ricky Tiedemann? Like that's my situation there.
1: Yeah, by midseason, it's got to be Ricky Tiedemann. And and granted, everything can go completely shit off the rails by then. Who knows? But if everything looks like it should, maybe, by that point, you've got to be on Tiedemann. I think Drew Hutchison comes into the conversation in camp. If you see a guy next week shake their elbow, and all of a sudden, this Blue Jays rotation gets kind of thin. I I think we've almost lost sight of that, myself included, I mean how many starters you need in a season a couple of years ago they didn't burn through that many at all last year ross stripling completely saved them by not making the blue jays have to dig down to number seven eight nine ten that would not have been good like mm-hmm. ross stripling saved that team i think this year you still see them have seven eight nine ten guys start a game if that happens in the first month or two drew Hutchison is a guy you can chuck in hope to get five innings two or three runs we'll wow. see It's tough, but um, in an ideal world, you have a little more young talent up close. But I think by the time you're getting to in through May, which is, you know, or even past that point where, where goodness, where Alec Manoa came up a few weeks in, Ricky Tiedemann's going to be too enticing, I think. It's it's just all about innings with him. What's he have? 120? 130? We'll see. It's easier to manage that in the, the minor leagues. You don't want to have a guy up in the big leagues who you're kind of reeling back. That's a weird place to be in, but... All about innings workload with him. If, if there was no innings workload to deal with, I don't even think we're talking about it. You know, yeah. if he had 120 innings last year, discussion over. Like, that's easy.
2: And that's what I think the difference between him and Alec Manoa was. Sure, a workload a full season in college is different, but it's still every day for four months, right? And Ricky Tiedman being a Juco guy, I think is different. So we go into John Schneider's first Blue Jays camp as the head coach, manager. How different is it from a Charlie Montoyo camp? Do you think <laughs> no yeah, you bongos the, being
1: played? There are no, uh, no congas, <laughs> no congas. Um, I've, I've been corrected on that. Congas, oh, okay, congas. We're bad at that. Uh, yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm an aficionado now. <laughs> I, I do think one of the great moments in Blue Jays history was after the Hunjin Ryu signing. The video of Scott Boris and Hunjin Ryu not knowing what to do while Charlie <laughs> played those congas. That was just cinematic brilliance, but this camp, I think you're starting to see it in these games like today. They are running like crazy. Like th- this team is going to run, 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 run. Bo said like right off the start of camp, I don't care about the rules. I want to run more. Talk to Kevin Biggio today. I think he's going to benefit a lot. I think he's going to steal a lot of bags. He doesn't care about the rules. He just wants to steal more bases. He wants to go second to home, first to third, first to home. They are going to be a pretty chaotic team, I think. And That's what John Schneider likes. He likes it when people can be natural like that. And spring training now is so structured and especially the first couple of weeks. I mean, I, I feel like I'm covering yoga. You know, I'm glad the games have started. I can only cover stretching and ground ball drills for so long. You can't garner much from that, but when you see these games starting, the base running is where you're going to see it. I don't think bullpen management and all that stuff will change. That's not really the manager acting by himself anymore. But base running, I think they are going to run like crazy this season. It's not a team with a Billy Hamilton or a Ricky Henderson, but everybody can kind of steal a base other than, you know, Kirky, which if he steals one or two, cool, play of the year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, lots of running, lots of
2: running. Yeah. I think and Vladdy last season, halfway through, he had 11 stolen base attempts compared to two in the first half, right? Like they'll let anyone go.
1: Yeah. Vladdy will run. I mean, Charlie used to say he thought that Vladdy could steal. 30 bases and i would smile and nod and say cool okay uh it's there man as long as you're getting good jumps and i think it's it's smart players that are going to benefit from that that's why i think biggio that is a a really smart instinctive guy like i think as much as he wants to run he's gonna be stealing bags this year yeah i mean so
0: biggio is a weird topic because we have been off the biggio train on the biggio train but someone in our stream today came up with a great nickname for biggio uh, COVID Cavin and bubble biggio. Cause he was only good during the COVID season. I, I, I want to see where, like, what is your thought process on what biggio is going to be? I mean, he showed a lot of glimpses so far. I mean, that play he made today in right was ridiculous. And I mean, he's been, he's been hitting it pretty well with the bats dealing bases. Where, where do you think his role is going to be,
1: man? I, I am, I'm still in on Cavin for sure. Uh, I, I think he has dealt with some injuries the last few years. He had a neck thing going for a while, which anything neck or back is just weird. You know, if you pull a hamstring, I know what we're talking about. Neck or back, I don't really know what you've got. Um, there was also a time where I think he took a ball off the knuckles every day for like six weeks. He's just been kind of beat up and moving around a lot. You know, it, it, we look back three, four, five years. We would talk about him as the young core of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Boba and Kevin Biggio. I wrote that same sentence 500 times. Was it fair? Maybe not in hindsight, you know, but I think right now he is embracing that outfield role. You know, he told me today, he was talking to Schneids over the off season, said, I want to play more outfield. Like I know I'm athletic. He is sneaky athletic. Uh, I think he's a really good athlete. And you cannot find anyone in the organization who does not love Kevin Biggio. I mean like capital L love Biggio. Like if you could put his instincts and his brain in every single player world series, Like that guy's instincts are off the charts. He knows the game so well and they love him in the clubhouse. So this guy's going to get his chances. You know, if he's OPSing 650, that's different than someone else. OPSing 650, the best way to say it, he's going to get his shots. Um, I thought they were going to sign a fourth outfielder. I expected that to come. It has not, uh, which has surprised me a bit, but then you see Kevin Biggio do what he did today. And you think, Hey, maybe he handles that pretty well because you have so many center fielders that if Kiermaier goes down, Varcho or Springer go right in there, and you've got Biggio in a corner spot. That uh, makes a lot of sense, and as long as he can get on base, there's value. You know, he's going to take his strikeouts, high fastballs. We all know are an issue. We'll see where that goes. He's not going to hit 300, but if he on bases 350, 360, 370, that's a really valuable player. I think it's just the framing of it all. We're no longer talking about a core guy. We're no longer talking about Bo Vladdy, and we're talking about a super utility trying to be that, you know, we always used to say Ben Zobrist type because he was like the first guy who did it well. But every team's got that guy now. Uh, I think it's wide open for Biggio to do that. And I really think, you know, the the new rules open it up for guys who can think the game. Biggio is that dude. I I really think he's going to benefit.
2: There's a like Max Muncie is that someone who hit like 212 last year and on base 350 something. So if Kevin can do that, it'd be awesome. But if you think he's going to be able to play the outfield, who do you think's the last position players that's going to make this team out of camp
1: yeah when you're looking under the infield you you do have merrifield and espinal who can act as second base some days they can back up shortstop with espinal back up third base with a few guys there's a lot of moving parts in there catching gets pretty interesting i, I think you just have the two of course where it gets really unique for me is addison barger He's he's going to have a big camp a lot of people are really into him I have never seen a tighter T-shirt in my life. It is the <laughs> men's medium T-shirt. It is uh, it's quite the same. Schneids loves to give him a hard time for that, but he only has eight games of AAA. He raked, sure. It's eight games of AAA. I, I think you still want to see Barger go to AAA because kind of like I mentioned with Tiedemann earlier, you go to AAA as a hitter, you are going to find that old lefty who is slinging absolute slop at you. Like the, the worst curveballs you've ever seen, but they make it work. And it's important to face that, you know, not just facing young top prospects who are going heater, 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 but really find, you know, some pitchers to go up against who can tinker with you and mess with you. We'll see how Barger does, but he's got to be in that conversation. It's just the outfield picture is much more interesting to me now. I I thought there would be another signing. Now it looks like Biggio might be that that's a fourth outfielder or someone like Nathan Lucas.
0: That. Barger is Barger is interesting because one, I mean, that guy's swing is it looks like I don't even it looks like a like a long drive driver. It's insane. I, I I he's just such an interesting guy because he doesn't he mentioned in a lot of interviews, he doesn't like working out at the facility, like he doesn't like working with the team and stuff like that. He likes to do his own thing. What is he like with the media? I always wonder that because he seems like that kind of weird, like just kind of keeps to himself type of guy.
1: Yeah, he he does seem to be intense. I haven't spoken with Addison too much myself. Uh, One of my colleagues, Sam Dykstra, he did an interview with with Addison just yesterday, I think, and talked about how he was a right-handed hitter. Let me get this straight. Righty hitter. This is awesome. And when he was young, he watched Ichiro, and he just said, (laughs) cool, I like Ichiro. Let me swing like this dude. Now, he's kind of like a muscled-up Ichiro swing. It's like if Ichiro totally sold out and was not trying to slap singles. But, man... The swing is there. The bat speed is there. I think the positional versatility is the important part because he was shortstop, third base, big arm. Now they're going to start playing him in the outfield a bit. He was supposed to do that last year in the Arizona Fall League, I believe. Uh, his time got cut short there just to a, due to a personal matter, I believe it was. But if you can have him in the outfield, then you have another Kevin Biggio type, but with a different offensive profile. And as much as you want to overthink profiles – we don't want to say this out loud, but a lot of baseball is just having two or three guys and one of them will work. One of them won't. (laughs) It's like collecting catching prospects or pitching prospects. It's not always a big mathematical equation. Get five of them. One of them will be a star. One of them will be good. One of them will be okay. Two won't be, you know, so it's if you can get another biggio, another super utility guy who isn't just a utility guy because he doesn't play well enough anywhere. He's a utility guy on purpose. That's the key. And Barger is that, man. He has skyrocketed up lists. Like, I don't even think he was on our top 30 last year.
2: Now he's, like, six. Wow. Yeah. He's a, he's definitely an exciting type that people who, I mean, you're not that into baseball sometimes. You see a guy with a leg kick like that who can hit balls to the moon. It's, it's a very exciting time. Let's go to a guy who kind of had a tough season last year, Jose Barrios. I think he had a solid outing today. I know you weren't there for that one, but – he gets to go to the World Baseball Classic. What do you think the team kind of wants to see from him changing? Because there wasn't so many fastballs today, I think. There was a whole lot of everything else. What do you think they want to see from him that would be a successful World Baseball Classic going into the season?
1: Yeah, Jose was a weird one last year because his numbers, his ERA was as bad as it got. I'm unqualified, sir, it's dead last. But if you walked through your living room and watched one inning, the guy didn't suck. Like, he wasn't losing the zone entirely. He was not hitting batters in the head every inning. He was just a little bit off, and he was getting rocked, you know? So I think it's a simple fix, and he's been good for so long. Like, if he had a 5-2-3 ERA last year as a rookie, goodbye. But he has a track record as one of the most consistent players in the entire league. Like, like forget pitching, but players, period. I think he bounces back naturally to a certain point, and mentally I think the WBC will be good for him. He is – a guy who cares a lot, like Jose Berrios, gives a shit. And there were a lot of times last year where I would leave a scrum after a game thinking, man, this guy is taking it hard. You know, Um, John Schneider spoke to that earlier in camp kind of said like, you know, he apologized to the team. Like he he spoke to the team, which he didn't need to do spoke to the staff because he wanted to be a bigger part of, of the winning and just wasn't. So if you're looking for ways this team gets better Honestly, if Berrios goes from a 5-2-3, even to a 4 ERA, that's a couple wins, period, easy. Um, I, I know a lot of people have pointed to his win-loss record last year, which is, for some reason, something we only do when we're trying to back up a, a bad point. I don't know.
2: Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's,
1: uh, the, the, the contact last year was ugly, but I think he's so close. You know, he didn't lose it completely. If his fastball dipped five miles an hour, yeah, you're worried. But everything looked the same. It was just getting smoked. So I think the the WBC if he could go there, pitch in some big moments, win, you know, I think that's good for him mentally because he's a a guy who really took last year to heart. I think at times.
0: Yeah, he we made, we have this funny hashtag with you say from last year. There's a lot of funny pictures from of uh, Kikuchi with his head down in the dugout. So we started this hashtag called hashtag you say Cares. I got to talk to I we got to talk about the man that stole the show on Saturday. I mean we we live streamed it me and Avery but this guy put on a goddamn masterclass. You Kikuchi, what did you see out of him confidence wise, or maybe even after was he smiling in this post-game scrum with you guys? Like what was his persona like after that?
1: The cooch, the story of 2023. <laughs> Let me tell you, number one, the beard. Now, I spoke, <laughs> uh, spoke directly with you, say Kikuchi about this beard. He's, he's, he's looking to set a foundation and that's important. You know, for years, I couldn't connect up top to the bottom. You need a strong <laughs> foundation to build a house upon. So that's one thing. I think eventually we need to get him started out with some oils. You know, if people are hesitant, I always suggest grabbing some coconut oil from the kitchen, just lather up before we get to bed at night. You'll have some good results. We're going to work on the beard with you, say, over the course of the season. But he looked like a pitcher who was not overthinking for once. Yusei Kikuchi, I think, is the biggest fan of the pitch clock on planet Earth, <laughs> because he is a frustrating example of being good enough. It just didn't work last year, or a lot of the time in Seattle. Frankly, a lefty who can throw 96 is unique. Like lefties aren't out here throwing 100 gas all the time, and he does have the secondary pitches sometimes, and that's something I need to think of more too, even in in coverage. With these guys, it's not about talent. Everybody is good enough to be an all-star in Major League Baseball. It's about consistency. Everyone can hit a home run. Everyone can strike out Mike Trout. But can you do it 2, 3, 10, 50 times? Kikuchi flashed it. And I liked how he looked in that bullpen roll last year. But it just didn't stick. And honestly, outside of Berrios, he's another great example of a guy who really took it to heart last year. And who really cared. Because this guy is used to being a star. You know, when he pitched in Japan before coming over, this is a star pitcher. And Japan is such an incredible baseball culture. Like, when you are a star there, you are worshipped. Like, you are held up. And there is pressure on that when you come pitch in Major League Baseball. And at times, he did not live up to that. But I think you saw him really caring uh, about that. and He's come in fresh. You know, of course, he's tinkering with a breaking ball. He's tinkering with this and that. Everybody is every year. Will it matter? Probably not. It's nowhere near as important as his mindset Going in, he seems kind of freed up. You know, he, he he was laughing and joking along, smiling, which honestly are small things, but it's not something I saw much of last year. Last year, I saw lots of head down in the scrum, saying, "I wish I could do better for my teammates," which is always where his mind goes, which I respect. But yeah, you saw him lighter. You know, you saw him freeing up a bit, and man, I always say, if 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 things don't go your way, just grow a beard, start over. That's know? what
0: I did. I'll be honest with you, man. Like. I was like a hard, soft three, four without a beard. Like now I'm like a five, six, six maybe even the seven range. For I real? think the beard is a game changer.
1: Yeah. Like we're not here hiding good jawlines. I mean, come on. Yeah. Real about this. Shave
2: yeah. I was, a, if I was a grown man, I could grow a beard, but I can't, you're <laughs> you're a mustache guy though. You're like, Bro, cause I can't grow a beard. It's working. I'd rather be <laughs> a mustache guy though. That's the
0: thing. The mustache is electric handle That's rides, handlebar rides. <laughs>
2: Um. So you talk about the new rules people kind of freaked out went crazy after this weekend Johnny will name drop a little we, we play Call of Duty Bryson Stott and Kyle Schwarber we played all last week with them and they as hitters they hate it and then you said you say Kikuchi loves it like pitchers speed up think less what's your take from the guys in the clubhouse how that's gone kind of to start this spring
1: man it, it's among the hitters I think is a bit more interesting which I didn't expect. Um, a, a lot of pitchers like Chris Bassett today was essentially just like, whatever you adjust to it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a big talking point, but once you get into the rhythm, it's not like you're playing a different sport. It's not like they're asking you to put rollerblades on. If you're a pitcher, you know, your way around, whatever, you'll figure it out. Hitters though. I think getting into that rhythm is what I was not expecting uh, as much to be an issue or a problem getting into the box and being set with those eight seconds. Even Vladdy said, like I, he used to saunter up to the plate. He would write, he writes a deal for God in the dirt. And he says like, now I'm doing that quick. Like I'm walking up, getting that in the dirt and I'm in the box. Hitters are not as relaxed. And where I like it, we saw this from Chris Bassett once or twice today. I love it when the pitcher gets in and then just stares the guy down for 13 seconds. Because if you do that, the batter is in there thinking, oh shit, this guy's weird. <laughs> like what's he, <laughs> Like this guy might be crazy, but there will be pitchers especially the veteran pitchers and confident pitchers who use it to their advantage. Then you will see some pitchers, maybe younger guys, maybe less confident guys who start to shake a little bit and worry about it, you know? So it's, uh, it's interesting to hear from those guys. And if, uh, you know, next time you're on, if you see a, the check for the worst player in your lobby. It's probably me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I've got be to running. set up here in spring training too. It's forty-five days. I can't go that long without it, so I can respect that. That's yeah. just
0: that. That's that's just you're the common man. And I, this is a question that I have for you. It's completely off topic with baseball. Sure. I just I'm dying to know this because it's how my dumb brain works how cool is it to just be a big J like just be able to go flash your fucking credentials when you go into a ballpark you have a buffet just whatever the fuck you want right in front of you how cool is it to be a big J because we'll never experience it we're the bad boys of
1: Blue Jays media what's (laughs) it like
0: being what's it like being a big J
1: you know what my colleagues would tell you that I complain about it constantly I try (laughs) to do a better job of enjoying it you know it's uh there are, you know, there are times like when I arrive down here for spring training and the person at the front desk says, oh, like, welcome back. They remember, they say, uh, we have your reservation here for uh, 46 nights. And I think, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, uh, and it, it was funny. This weekend was a good example. I, I had my my girlfriend came down for four days and she's seeing everything with fresh eyes thinking oh my god this is so cool there's palm trees and i'm just cranky i'm (laughs) complaining about everything i'm telling her listen i'm on day whatever here i've spent half my life in this state um but it's you know the the actual gig and job itself i i try to never lose sight of respecting it and appreciating it because you know coming up i was god when did i start with mlb 2017 but then i ran my own site baseball toronto for about two years which was shoestring budget just me uh broke as hell like i have stayed in some airbnbs in florida that were just horrifying have some great stories about one airbnb i stayed in it was a back house the woman who owned the house was a cover design artist for romance like sex novels really interesting (laughs) stay but going back to that it makes me appreciate you know having you know there is a little more hotel room behind me now it's it's uh it's an incredible place to be. And spring training makes me appreciate it because you see the fans, you know, up close too and talk to them a little bit. So as much as I do have a cranky exterior, I I love it deeply. You know, I, I love baseball. I love writing. I'm not much good at much else. You know, I uh I always like to say that I I grew up working on the lobster boats back in Nova Scotia and I, I figured there must be one job out there that people drink more doing, and I found it. So there it's, it
0: is. Living the yeah. dream, man. Living the dream. Good way to live. Good way to yeah. live. And you also are synonymous for just losing and breaking shit the spring training. I saw a funny hey. picture of our queen. Uh, by the way, do we have your approval on this? Because we are we we are gonna make t-shirts that say I love Hazel May. And I'm assuming these are just gonna sell out. There's gonna be a, a hit at Rogers hey. Center. What what happened with the phone situation? Like how like I'm obviously attached to my phone. Everyone knows that. How do you put a phone in the fucking garbage? That's that's what I'm dying to
1: know. That was rough. Number one, get me one of those shirts. I will proudly wear it. (laughs) Yeah, we got you. Poor Hazel has to spend an entire like when you think about a baseball season. Someone like that is stuck with me for like two thousand hours over a summer (laughs) in various cities where it becomes increasingly hotter and hotter. Like I'm a nightmare to be around when it's hot. And the phone situation. Some genius decided to make the top of this garbage can with four little slots cut into it maybe so rainwater could go in i was running over to throw my laptop bag and i've gotten in trouble though i'll tell the tv story in a second because it looked like i trashed my hotel room (laughs) i threw it onto that the phone falls out of the bag and then just goes whoop right down into the trash so i look around and i'm thinking how do i play this because my phone's in the trash can (laughs) and i'm surrounded by people i look over and i think it was louis rivera and like don maddenley were walking by so i was like oh well, that's Donnie baseball he's a borderline hall of famer nine-time gold glover like I don't want his first like view of me to be like bent over ass out trying to find a cell phone in a trash can <laughs> so I waited a few minutes and I kind of Hazel was nearby and I said Hazel I gotta be honest with you I dropped my phone in that trash can <laughs> and the most worrying part was that she was not even all that surprised she just stood up and she goes okay and she just opened the door she's And she kind of provided the camera light and looked into it. Um, Eventually she go, I think she said, there it is by the banana. So I reached in and grabbed the phone and there, you know, thankfully I wiped it off. And then I hear her say like, oh my God, Keegan, come on. And she was spraying a hand sanitizer. I believe it watermelon scented, shout out Hazel, uh, into my hands to clean me up. But then two days later, I come back to the hotel room and I'm in a rush to get out in the morning. I leave 7.30 and I've got my laptop back on the ground. I sling it up really quick onto the TV to throw some stuff in it. As I do that, and even as I tell the story, it sounds made up, my laptop topples out of my case and just kind of lazily thumps the TV. I think nothing of it. <laughs> I check my laptop. There was a little nick on the laptop. I go to work that day, go about my day. Later on in the evening, Uh, Shai Davidi and I go out for dinner at a lovely place on Clearwater Beach called Sakushi. Shai Davidi taught me how to use chopsticks. And I don't just mean like telling me how. I mean reaching across the table, disappointed, (laughs) adjusting my hands on chopsticks. And I come home that night thinking, great, I'm going to have a few drinks in the room, watch some basketball. And I turn it on. And this TV is trashed. Like it is shattered in the middle. Somehow this laptop had shattered the TV. And the first thing I did was grab my PlayStation from behind the TV. Cause I like to play some video games down here and hide it in the closet because it totally looked like I was playing duty and I lost my mind. And <laughs> the I was well aware of how this looked. Number two, I'm well aware that if you know, how, how do I put this professionally? If blue Jays fans had to pick a beat writer who covers the blue Jays, who is in bed at 8 p.m. on a weekend night, they would not pick me, you know. Thinking, okay, there's there's a combination of circumstance and reputation at play here that make it look like I was just stumbling around or punched this television. <laughs> and so I eventually had to go to the desk. I finally found, you know, a, a staff member who, uh, who knows me well and is very kind to me. She was wearing a Blue Jays shirt. Um, I walked up and I made my most polite small talk and I said, you know what? I did the dumbest thing yesterday, explained it to her. And an hour later, my boys, uh, what were their names? Rick and Rambo were in my room hooking up a new TV. So you know what? It's a It was a tough week, tough start to spring training. But I learned how to use chopsticks and I got my phone back. Shout out to the staff of sportsnet.ca and Sportsnet Television for, uh, for taking care of me. Those are the joys of working the beat with me, unfortunately.
2: that's That's incredible stuff. I got one more thing here. Kevin Kiermaier, no one has seemed more open to love being in Toronto. What? Why? Do it you might be he, an act, right? It has yeah, to be an why act. Why do you think he hated Tampa Bay so much? Like, what went on there?
1: <laughs> well, have you been to Tampa Bay? Question one.
2: <laughs> Fair.
1: Kiermaier seems to have a, a bit of a new lease on life. You know. Um, also, the worst anything in the world could give me, you know, nine million bucks. I'm gonna love it. But... <laughs> Kiermaier does seem kind of rejuvenated, and that's got to be exciting for a guy like that who comes up in one organization, even if you love it, it's got to get a bit monotonous, and maybe even not monotonous in a negative way, but you're at the same complex every spring, you've got the same people, same stadium, now all of a sudden for Kiermaier, he's coming to a new complex, like a really shiny new one with a billion computers and all the technology you could ever dream of. He's coming to a new stadium, new team, and that's got to perk you up a little bit later in your career, he is a guy who I think fits better on this team than Tampa. And part of that is, of course, his defense. But he looks at this roster and is very realistic. Like, when we, he, when we were interviewing him yesterday, Vladdy hit a home run in the middle of it. And his reaction was just, like, fantastic. Like, my job is to hit ninth and slap a single, because that dude's going to do that. That's not <laughs> always been who the Rays are. You know, they're more of a, you know, needing one through nine, and they're, they're great at that. But he is so fully aware of who he is as a player. And he said, you know, sometimes in the past, I would try to hit for more power thinking I could. Screw that. Like, I need to get on base. Because we have Bo, Vladdy, Varsho, Kirk, Kierma, or sorry, Springer. So he knows how that works now. He's embracing it. Will he be healthy all year? We'll see. That's the number one question, I think, in that entire outfield. Yeah,
2: going turf but, to turf was seems like an odd decision for him.
1: He loves it, though. He is fully embracing it uh he is a, a man of the people uh, for sure and if he can stay healthy i mean if that outfield can stay healthy which i i recognize is a, a comedically large if that's going to be one of the better defensive outfielders out, outfields sorry we've seen in major league baseball in in a while like that could be good good good
0: yeah and i gotta ask you this so i <laughs> You did a tweet today of, like, people at the stadium thanking Ricky Tiedemann's parents for having him and stuff like that. Do you happen to sometime read, like, your comment section on Twitter and stuff like that? Because someone yep. – this is a tweet that I thought was really funny. I don't know if you saw it. Someone just responded, thanks for having sex, Rick Tiedemann's parents. Like, yep. do you – are you keeping your ear on the ground to see, like, catch these funny responses you, got, you get on Twitter and all that type of stuff?
1: I am. You know, there's I, – I wish there was a way I could – not saying it about this one. I, I wish there was a way I could like shadow like tweets sometimes. <laughs> there are times where I will just send a tweet to somebody and say like, hey, this cracked me up. I just can't publicly do that. Um, I do. I, I still keep my my notifications on. I'm, um, you know, t- Twitter's a weird place, but I'm a big believer in curating it. You know, you, you hear too many people say Twitter's awful. Twitter. I am a like... I mute like hell, but not like I'm I what bugs me is when people mute or block and they'll like quote tweet the guy like, you're gone, buddy. Like, OK, congrats. Who gives a <laughs> shit? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I just do it to curate it. So even if someone just responds disagreeing in a way that bugs me, whatever, mute. It's my Twitter timeline. I want to oh,
0: send them. Where are your dogs. You said you send okay. us on them. We're the, where the Keegan them. Matson dogs.
1: And I'm not trying to be holier than thou about it. I'm just like curating and narrowing it down. And I feel like we've got it to a good place now where I love it. I'll see a tweet has like 30 responses and I can only see seven of them. I'm like, all right, <laughs> good. Um, and it's just to keep my own brain a little more decluttered. But the people who are left are like the best, weirdest Blue Jays fans in the world. And as you saw from that tweet, there there were a couple of uh, screenshot uh, examples I from tweets I had last week where people skip past baseball and just immediately sexualize what is happening. (laughs) And uh, listen, the the passion, la passion, it is uh, the reason I have a job. So I salute those tweets because I know those are from fans who are uh, reading stories and watching uh, MLB Network and all that good stuff. But man, oh man, some people are absolutely boned up when it comes to Blue Jays baseball.
0: Well, I actually looking back on it, when Ricky got his first strikeout, I just tweeted, "I just came." So looking back on that, I going to be like, "What? Like, uh, why did I tweet
1: this?" Yeah. Like four or five. The thing before. that I just mentioned, screenshotting last week, was about five replies all in a row that were exactly that. <laughs> and I, thought- I, I think at the time I sent it to sent it to my girlfriend who bless her is not a baseball fan. So it, I love it. And I said, this is what my job looks like. Just, uh, you know, uh, six or eight men. I've never met saying these words to me, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it might seem glamorous, but, uh, but that's about it.
0: That's all time. So this is how I want to end it off with this one. Cause obviously you, like I said, you're a big J credit to you. Congrats on that. I got to ask you this. You don't have to name drop the player, but have you ever had an experience so far in your career where you and a player don't get along or a player has been like a really big dick to you, or maybe he's like reading some of the stuff you're writing, where he's like, why did you write this about me? Like, have you had that before?
1: Oh yeah. It's uh it's always going to happen. And I'm not a believer that like that, you know, that needs, but I'm a believer in showing up. So, and, and that's something that you learn from, from older journalists that I hope we don't lose going forward. Um, You know, of course, there are minor day to day disagreements where a guy will read something and come by you and mutter something to you and you think, okay, you'll wear it. I'm a big believer that if I torture a guy, like if I write a story saying player X sucks, A, I've got to show up the next day. Can't take the next day off. And B, I should at least show my face in the clubhouse. You know, Um, one example a few years back without saying the guy's name. Uh, He was brought into camp um, on a, I believe, minor league deal. This would have been eighteen or nineteen, whenever it was. And there was a reason to ask him a bit of a hard question, so I asked it to him in the opening scrum. And he brushed past me, kind of motherfucked me as he did so. I said, (laughs) "All right, cool." So the next morning, I made sure that I was standing at his locker the moment the clubhouse opened, eight o'clock. He wasn't there for another thirty minutes or so, which is fine. But I just stood there and I said, "Listen." I know I had to ask you that hard question and put you on the spot. You didn't know my name yet. That's not cool. I'm Keegan. This is who I write for. And he shook my hand, didn't speak, looked through me like he wanted to murder me, <laughs> but then just let me go. And that was it. You know, it's it's a lot of the times these guys just need to be heard. You know, there are, there are bigger blowups sometimes, pretty serious blowups at times. Um, it's part of the gig. Um, but I also try not to take it too seriously. You know, um, if there's a meteor headed for Earth tomorrow, I'm not in the bunker, and I know that. That's cool. You know, like no, <laughs> nobody's saving the baseball writer. What I do is not international politics or surgery on the brain, whatever. So it's, uh, I, I try to leave the big ego out of it. You know, uh, ego is a problem in my industry. Steve it Simmons, why, Mike uh,
0: Wilner, yeah, no, you're, yeah, there are uh,
1: there are times where I do not get along with folks in my industry let's say very broadly everyone i work with is hearing this and just cackling um ego <laughs> gets in the way and it pisses me off because we're covering baseball here man come on have some yeah fun we'll
0: send it. you the we'll send you the i'm blocked by mike wilner shirts we're making if that's the case oh, I'll, I'll,
2: I'll send one
0: over to you oh, yeah. but this is actually yeah it's just uh, I'm excited for this year, man. I mean, this is maybe one of the, I don't know how to say this correct. Like the weirdest year in blue Jays in my, in recent history. Cause there's so many unknowns. Like is Varsho yeah. going to be the guy he was last year with a little bit more. What's Kiermaier going to be doing? What's Brandon Belt going to be doing? Like, this is one of the most insane, like hectic years ever. And I- I'm really pumped for it, but this is actually another question. Last
1: thing. Are yeah. you allowed to cheer in the press box? How does that work? Are you, you can't cheer no cheering no it 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 leaves you pretty naturally you know i grew up a blue jays fan of course um grew up liking the red Sox quite a bit too because in nova scotia we would get like regional coverage yeah you know i remember growing up if there were like seven nfl games on a day like six of them would be patriots and i'd be so pissed because i'm a packers (laughs) fan but yeah it was tough but no cheering in the press box uh definitely not and it it naturally leaves you um like I, i work with students a little bit in sports journalism and That's always a question, like, holy shit, like, how can I not cheer for the Leafs? And, you know, I don't want this to to sound too damning, but it's kind of a, you know, eventually when you meet the people involved, the romance wears off, you know, it's... uh, That breaks my heart. Not totally a don't meet your heroes, but once you're up close and, and doing it, you know, it's like a lot of other jobs, people who don't go home and keep doing that job. So I worry about journalism now with it, you know, because there's a lot of, uh, whether you want to call it favorable coverage or, or fan, you know, cheering, um, from traditional media, who is there credentialed covering the game that worries me gets a little gross, makes my job a lot harder, but it's, uh, something I've had to weed out. Um, you know, it, it comes naturally comes easily. I care about time of game, which is why the pitch clock. Shout out to the pitch clock. <laughs> if I can get myself to, you know, a local family restaurant near Rogers center, with one of these, twenty-five minutes earlier every night during the season, hell yeah, I care about a quick game and something cool to write about. You know, whether that is them winning or losing, whatever, we'll see. You know, that, I know that- breaks my
0: heart, man. I know the little Keegan inside of the child Keegan is like, <laughs> I want to yell when Vladdy hits a walk-off nuke, and you can't do anything. You got to be a statue in the press box
1: but young Keegan wasn't making shit. He didn't have a salary yet, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's the difference, man. I mean, that is, yeah, I guess, I guess you gotta, I, I gotta not cut some slack to the guys that I hate with the Blue Jays social media because they've been doing it for a real long time. So they're kind of just immune to like happiness, I guess like that. I'm not going to name any names we're blocked by them on Twitter. So (laughs) that's (laughs) the name that I'll go with. But anyways, Keegan, man, I, I'm pumped to have you. I mean, obviously I'm a massive fan of you. I love what you do. You're just, I I like the fact that you're relatable and you're like one of us doing it. You know, you're not one of those guys that's like entitled that will never do a podcast or never talk to people and stuff like that. I like the fact that you're one of us, but I really do appreciate it. We're going to have to get you back on, maybe go for beers after one game at the uh, Rogers center, but we do appreciate you coming on this man and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And I don't know, you got 20 days left.
1: Man, what do I have left? Uh, 20, 25, 26? And then we off to a beautiful road trip to open the season in St. Louis. We'll be there.
0: We'll be there. Maybe we'll go for dinner because the Friday, right? The Friday they don't play.
1: Dig it. But definitely at some point this year. We're doing drinks after a game. And whenever you boys want, happy to come back. But I love what y'all are doing. This is cool. And I'm glad that more people are uh, approaching baseball in a manner that's less serious than a, a funeral. It's, uh, <laughs> it's helpful. <laughs>
0: yeah avery any last words because i mean our tiktok comments would agree with you it's just like because i mean there's a video of me today going crazy over big dick rick and everyone's just like it's the fucking spring training no no no. it's big dick rick pitching that's why we're we're having excitement (laughs) over it
2: but avery any last words no thanks a lot keen appreciate it brother
1: you got it fellas bdr